go. We've got so much digital stuff going on. You got your, there's something going on in your go-kart here. Yes, there is. He's got to go from the other way. No, he can't. I'll take it. Good time. You're a full-time job, aren't you? Yes, sir. Yes, you are. I'll keep her in line. Hey, uh, it's, uh, I'm thrilled to be here with you today and got to spend time with a, uh, just a good friend this morning and Larry and man, we were fishing and loving Jesus. And Larry, I'm just thrilled with what God's doing in your life, man. I just really sense his presence with you all day, to be honest with you. And so just... It was, a, it was an absolute pleasure for him to pour into me. We had a great time. and It's been a challenging day, but it's been a good day. And uh, I want to share with you something this evening, if you want to open your Bibles up to Ephesians. And if you want to, if you want to follow along with me, you can. Uh, it's, going to be, <laughs> it's going to be a little stretching for you. Um, and it's going to be hard for you to follow it, uh, to be honest with you. But, you know, you're, I, I'd like you to see this stuff face to face. If you'd be willing. Um, and really, we're going to bring up a passage on the screen. And it's uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 6, verse 12. Yeah. And just, we're going to walk through this. I'm going to read it a few different times tonight. But just, I want, just, it takes almost a com- some convincing. It's, it's interesting. People believe things without actually believing them. For example... I've, uh, I've met people, you know, that'll say, uh, hey, you know, you've not been, I, I tell people, hey, you've not been given a spirit of fear. You know, you've not been given a spirit of fear. And they're like, oh, amen, praise the Lord. Then why are you fearing? You know, so we, we believe things, but we don't experience that belief. It's not come to fruition. It's not recognized in our life. Shouldn't have fear. Don't worry. Oh, amen. See, I know it. You ever know that passage? It says, don't worry. Oh, yeah, I know that. Well, do you know it or do you know it? There's two different Greek words. Actually, there's six, but two major Greek words in the New Testament. One is informational knowledge. The other is experiential knowledge. And consistently throughout the scripture, Jesus says, I want you to know me, which is experience. See, there's one thing to know information. I know people, I know all kinds of people that know information about the scriptures. They know information about truth. Satan knows the truth. Satan believes in Jesus, especially after the cross. He'll never forget that one. I mean, he was literally paraded around by Jesus. I mean, Jesus took captivity captive, made a public spectacle of him, Paul says. Come on, Satan believes in Jesus. And I meet people, oh, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. Well, come on. What, What do you mean by that? I'm not talking about facts and information. I'm talking about experiencing the truth and the reality of the life he's destined for you to live every day. That's your God-given right as a child of God. That is your God-given right as a child of God. You, that you have your inheritance now. So there are things in the scriptures that we read that we believe because they're in the scriptures but either we don't understand them or they haven't come to a fruition in our life. And I believe one is this, 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 uh, this, this verse. For our struggle 
is not against flesh and blood. If you look up that phrase, flesh and blood, in the original language, you know what it means? It means flesh and blood. Come on, our our struggle, that word struggle literally means combat, hand-to-hand, wrestle, opposition. What puts its face against you and tries to destroy you is not physical, it's spiritual. So our struggle is in flesh and blood, but it's against rulers, authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. See, I don't think going to the streets, and I'm torn on this, but because I don't think, you know, spiritually things manifest physically. Okay. So in other words, when you have a spiritual kind of, when you have God's spirit living in you, it's going to manifest physically. When you're, when you're literally impregnated by his love, it's going to, it's going to flow out of you tangibly, physically in your world. So the person that says, oh, I love Jesus, but they never go to church and they don't demonstrate any physical fruit signs of the kingdom. Well, they're full of hot air and probably some other things. So, so there, there is physical display. Absolutely. Okay. But the emphasis is spiritual. So in our, in our world, the answer for our country and for our world is not militant. It's not arming and going down and, well, they're not going to, yeah, I'm going to, you can do that help yourself, but that's not. See, that's not the answer. Our answer, where we are equipped, is in the spiritual realm. So I want to familiarize you. And again, this has been stretching for me. Because one, not a lot of people talk about this stuff. Just to be honest with you. I mean, I haven't in 26 years. But literally, what makes us children, it's, it's amazing to me. And let me just give you, again, I want to introduce you over the next probably 15 minutes. It's going to take 15 minutes of introduction. The actual study is super quick. We're going to look at five verses. But getting to it, there's context. Paul, for instance, uh, and we're not going to pull any of these up on, on, the, on, the, on the projector. There will be certain passages I want you to look up. You don't have to look up these first few. But in Philippians chapter 3, verse Specifically, verse uh, 18, listen to some of Paul's language. Paul says, for as I have often told you before, just drinking his language. In other words, this is repetitive. Dude, we talked about this, he says. And I now say again with tears. See, this is really passionate. I'm not letting this go, he says. Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. And you would say, how? The enemies of the cross of Christ? Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Because their mind is on earthly things. Our citizenship is in heaven. See, I'm not after the things of this world. I'm after, there's, he's, it's really interesting. Our citizenship is in heaven. It's like the, all of Paul's language is he lives in a, there's a different world. Like we don't, we, we're just passing through. I'm not storing up for this world. I'm storing up for that world. And it, it is, it's interesting. People want to go to that world, but they really live every day. Their stomachs. The money, their sex drive, 
Everything about them, their, their, their popularity, their fame, what they're hoarding. They live for this world, not for that world. And that's what he's talking about. Yeah, their glory is their shame. It's sad. He says, we don't do that. Why? Because our citizenship, we're, 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 we're operating and people want to say heaven in terms of, oh, I die and I go up there. Well, you know, the, it's going to be the big travel trailer in the sky. Praise the Lord. You know, no, that's not heaven. We're going to get to that. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about that we participate in that world now because our struggle. And if you guys don't mind, just leave that verse up the whole time. I, I want to continually reference it. We don't, what we struggle with, see, you're, you're, I'm telling you, your enemy is not a person in, in, in politics. It's not. That is not, you can relieve whatever bonehead you want to, and there's many you can pick from. But you can move that bonehead and there'll be another bonehead come in its place. Because your enemy is, a, is spiritual. And that's where, we, that's where we emphasize. That's what Paul's talking about. Um, and it's not just Paul. Well, I'll give you a couple more here. But he says, for instance, and this is, uh, that was in Philippians. This is in Colossians. But he says uh, in, in Colossians chapter 3, that we have been raised with Christ. So we're to set our hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. You set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. That's present tense. Okay, that's present tense. Um, I love, uh, and again, he goes, he goes on to talk about several things. But uh, I love how uh, Peter, actually, Peter talks about it in... Uh, in his letter, uh, first letter in chapter two, he says that we're, 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 a, we're aliens and we're strangers of this world. That this is not, we live in a world that we live in a physical world and we do live here, but our residence where we war, where we have significance is in a spiritual realm. Now, I don't know what that does to you. And again, I'm under the impression, and again, it's probably not you guys. Honestly, it's probably not you guys, just all those other churches on the face of the planet. We talk about things that we read in the scriptures. So you're not, no one in their right mind is going to be like, well, I don't believe that. Well, we all believe that. Why? Because you can read it. Okay. You can read it, but we don't know what it means. And it's confusing, which is probably why we don't have typically as strong as prayer life as we should have. See, the biggest weakness in my life over the years is immediately revert to the flesh and not to the spirit. Yeah. Oh, that guy says that, man. I'm going to just, I'm going to put my, that's where I think. I think physically. I, I, I get into physical. I want to solve it through the physical. Which was so significant because Paul immediately, he never, in fact, he says stuff like the physical profits you nothing. I'm like, come on, it profits a little bit. No, it profits you nothing. The physical cannot produce the spiritual. You're not saved through the flesh. None of that. So, and again, there's certain churches I've been to where you start talking this and people just check out. They don't understand or it's really hard in a, in a, in a group of people that's not. You have to be intent. You have to be, okay, I'm going to set aside. I'm going to focus on Jeremiah. He can be a handful, but I'm at least going to give him my attention. Okay. So I'm going to walk you through this tonight. And again, Paul's language is not just plucked out of thin air. It is rooted in a 4,000 year old covenant history. This is so incredible. 
It's bizarre almost, but it's rooted in an old covenant history where they, in the old covenant time period, okay, mankind during an old covenant, this is, the old covenant is gone. The new covenant is here. You know, the new covenant replaced the old covenant. Yeah, it's wonderful. Okay, you don't sacrifice lambs anymore. There's one lamb sacrificed. So you can't go back into the old covenant and, and want to do both. That was the whole letter to the, to the church in Galatians. You can't do that. The old covenant profits you nothing. You died to the law. Doesn't belong to you anymore. We're not doing that. You, going to Jerusalem. I'm a big fan of Israel and there's a place for them in scripture. But going to the wailing wall and praying there doesn't. Hey, there's no difference from praying there than the gas station. Because you're the temple. This is not a temple. This is a facility. Okay. You are the sanctuary. Isn't that neat? Once in a while you look at people and they're like. So fun, but it's a truth, man. This is the temple. In fact, I was, I got convicted this summer. The Lord really began to deal with me, to be honest with you on, on gluttony. I've been, I, I, I see people and they're like, oh, you've lost weight. You've been getting in shape. You know, you've been trying to lose weight and you've been, you know, wanting to take care of yourself. No, I, I want, I want to, I want to remain a Christian. Yeah. God convicted me of gluttony. Yeah. My God was my stomach. I did not know how to say no to my body. And I'm studying and, and I'm reading this book. And this guy says something. He says, it's interesting. In an old covenant hour, if you brought God a blemished, sickly sacrifice, it was an abomination. You know how many of us offer him a, a sickly, diseased, unfit temple to dwell in? We won't deal with that this evening. But we don't smoke, praise the Lord, because we're super spiritual. <clears throat> Wouldn't it be, should we just talk about that tonight? You're right, we'll talk about that tomorrow. <laughs> but yeah, God's been dealing with me on that, man. I mean, come on, I just, this is his sanctuary. This is where he dwells. So we're not in the old covenant anymore. We're in the new covenant. There's a whole different deal. Paul, talking in the new covenant, comes from an, this is so interesting. He comes from an old covenant time period when he's writing. They were more aware and believed in more that spiritual realm than we do. And yet they didn't have access to it like you and I do. Should I say that again? Just to help us process Okay, so New Covenant Hour, we are literally what sons and daughters of God were children of Abraham, which is a spiritual sonship. That's what we talked about last night, which we'll, recover, we'll cover that a little bit again. But we are in a, in a New Covenant Hour, we are literally the housing of our God who is spirit. He lives in our body. That was not the case in the Old Covenant. In the Old Covenant, he lived right down on Main Street, take a right, he's been the big house called the temple. That's where God lives, in Jerusalem. Okay, God, he didn't live inside of us because there was separation from God. They were not privy to what you and I are privy to. They did not have access to what you and I have access to. They got close to God and touched the, tent, touched the ark. They, they killed over dead like Uzzah. But you and I, hey, we're filled with him. That's ridiculous. So, but Paul comes out of that old covenant time period where they were so keenly aware. For example, let me give you a couple examples of this. When we talk about heaven, first off, there are three, Paul teaches about three kinds of heavens. Now, if you can keep up with me, 
You ready? Princess, you ready? Larry, Bill, Bo. I can't believe how many of you I know. Okay. Genesis chapter 1. This is an easy one. But in Genesis chapter 1, we oftentimes run through this probably a little too quickly. But it says in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God created. Okay. Created, by the way, is a physical thing. Well, it's not necessarily true because he did create the angels. But in this context of the beginning, it was physical. This is all physical things. All the things that he's creating here are physical. Physical beings, physical earth, physical vegetation. It's all physical stuff. So in the beginning, God had created the heavens. That's plural. In the, in the Hebrew grammar, that's plural. Which tells you there's more than one. Yeah, there's more than one heavens. There's plural. And they're physical. God created the heavens and the earth. You say, what do you mean heavens? Well, you go into the new covenant uh, and you go in the new covenant scripture. You go into um, um, where Jesus in Matthew, he talks about the birds of the air. Some of your translations is the birds of the sky. That, that Greek word is heaven. So it's the, it's the birds of the heavens, the clouds in the sky. That was the clouds of heaven, the stars in the heavens. We, we remember those kind of passages. The psalmist talk about the heavens. So there was, there was literally the physical world and the first kind of heaven is in a manner of speaking. It's the place you can see physically. It's the Milky Way. We've got telescopes. You can see up in there. That's the heavens and there's layers of them. God created the heavens, and they're, they're plural, and the earth. That's the first kind of heavens that are referred to in Scripture. They're physical places where birds fly, where planets are. They're the stars in the heavens. Okay, that's physical place. The second kind of heaven that's mentioned in the Scriptures, uh, and it's, it's actually, and it's hard to describe it because people get confused, but I like to describe it this way. The first heavens are the physical heavens where we can see, Genesis chapter 1, and there's other places. You can research that yourself. The other kind of heavens is actually called the highest heaven. And the example of that, there's several different places. Paul talks about how he was taken to the third heavens. He was, and he saw visions and saw things. Okay? In Revelation chapters 4 and 5, that's the throne room of God. That is the heaven, which is the abode of my Father in. That's his place. That's the third heaven. That's the place where God dwells and where Satan was cast out. He's not allowed to come. He's not allowed to come. See, the accuser of our brethren has been cast down. Some translations are cast out. He can't go there anymore. He's been evicted. Okay? So there's the highest heaven. Okay? Satan doesn't have access there. Well, you're like, well, where is Satan? Where are the demons? And where are the angels? That's in this place, the second heavens. So there's three places. There's God's heaven where Satan can't come. There's the physical heaven. Satan's not a physical being, spiritual. So there's this third heaven, which is this middle heaven, where all these angelic beings live. And you're like, that's weird. Is that talked about in Scripture? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Let me give you a couple examples. <clears throat> This is, you ready? This is, it gets neat. Look with me. Give you a couple of examples of these. Look with me in Joshua chapter 5. These are all over the Old Covenant and New Covenant. These are some of my favorites. And since I'm preaching, I get to pick the ones I want. In Joshua chapter 5, uh, 
Joshua's the man. If you follow a little bit about Joshua, I mean, he, went, he was the protege of Moses, phenomenal godly man. He and Caleb were the only ones of the former generation who was allowed to pass in. Isn't that something? It's a phenomenal man of God. Uh, it tells us that one day in the Old Covenant that uh, Moses goes into the tent of meeting and he takes Joshua with him. And when Moses leaves, it says Joshua remained behind. What do you mean? He stayed in the tent of meeting? Yes. Like he moved in and became roomies with God? Yes. They played Xbox together. I'm just kidding. But they literally, they roomed together. Just a phenomenal godly man. It's powerful. Just a, a remarkable man of God. He's one of my heroes in the Old Covenant. So he literally crosses the Jordan. He's leading the people of Israel. He's just, oh, what a guy. Well, he's coming up and he's actually in chapter five. He's scouting ahead. This is so neat. He's scouting ahead for Jericho. And it says in verse 13, chapter five, verse 13. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up by himself. See, when he had to scout, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his right hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, look how bold he is. Walks right up to him. Why? Joshua's kind of, I'm kind of a big deal. And he says, are you for us or against us? And listen to what the guy says. He says, neither. Which is hysterical. If I was a Joshua, I'd be like, hey, no, hold on. We're, we're the good guys. Have you, we're Israel. Have you heard about us? Yeah, kind of, I mean, we're God's, yeah, come on, man. And this guy goes, but as commander of the army of the Lord. You're like, hold on. Joshua's like, we're the army of the Lord. There's a whole nother army, you guys. See, there's a whole nother. But as commander of the Lord's army, I've come. Then Joshua fell down to the ground, realized he wasn't a man, in reference and asked, what message does my Lord have for his servant? That's an angelic being. Some say it's a a pre-visiting Christ kind of event, which I agree. So he meets this guy on the road and he says, are you for us or against us? And the guy goes, neither. He's like, what? We're the good guys. Dude, there's a whole nother deal. I ain't in your little pet. There's a spiritual war going on, Joshua, that you have no idea about. They just weren't privy to it. That's Joshua, one of my favorites. Uh, Another one which I want you to see is in Daniel, and these are all over Daniel, but Daniel chapter 10 is probably my favorite. And Daniel has been praying and fasting, and I know we're not, I don't know, I don't know if I'm becoming more charismatic in my old age. But there are things that I'm finding in scripture that I can't quite, I can't quite put together. Daniel had a had a spiritual encounter in chapter 10 where he was flattened out in the spirit. The spirit came on him and just laid him flat out. Now, I don't know what you, that's never happened to me, but I mean, I'm open. But it was laid him flat out. Hand of, this angel comes and, and picks him up and says, listen, pull yourself together, man. Come on, I got to talk to you about some things. And he begins to speak with Daniel. And down in chapter 10, verse 12, he says, he continues, do not be afraid. Come on, pull yourself together, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were uh, heard, and I have come in response to them. But then he confesses, dude, I'm so late. I'm sorry. He says in verse 13, but the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. 
Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I've come to explain you. Now notice the king of Persia and the prince are two different things. And the idea of prince literally is the spiritual, remember the rulers? Look at it. Against rulers, against authorities, that's prince language. So he's saying, listen, I was detained with the king of Persia and there's this spiritual, oh, it was a a mess, Daniel. It was crazy, man. In fact, Michael had to, he's the, man, he came and helped me. He's the only one fighting for your people. Anyway, it's like this little glimpse into the days of our lives of the angelic world. It's like a little soap opera. And if I was Daniel, I'd be like, come on, tell me more. Because there's this whole world that's going on. They're not, they don't even, they weren't privy to, but it was real. In fact, you go down in the passage a little bit more in verse 20. So he caps it off at the end. Do you know why I have come to you, Daniel? Soon I will return to fight against the prince of Persia again. And when I go, the prince of Greece will come. But first I'll tell you what is written in the book of truth. No one supports me against them except Michael, your prince. That's all spiritual stuff. Dude, there's a whole war. war. Doesn't that make you go, wow? Buy those spiritual 3D glasses and begin to look around. There's there's a spiritual war going around. And they were not privy in the old covenant. Oh, here's let me give you one more since you're just so excited. In uh, 2 Kings, this is probably one of my, this is definitely one of my favorites. It's chapter 6. Elijah. <laughs> this is a great story. You probably heard this. One of my favorites. But basically, uh, you have this, the king of Aram, and he's at war with Israel. And uh, listen, I'll just read it. Verse 8. Now the king of Aram was at war with the king of Israel. After conferring with his officers, the king of Aram said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God, that's Elijah, Sent word to the king of Israel, beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by Elijah, the man of God. Time and time again, Elijah warned the king so that he was on his guard in these places. So literally, God is revealing to Elijah the plans of the king of Aram. And man, it's frustrating him. So he comes into verse 11. This enraged the king of Aram. So he summons his officers and demands of them, will you not tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? In other words, someone's a spy and you're selling out information. Come on, who of you is it? And listen to what they say. None of us, my Lord, the king, but Elijah, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words he speaks in his bedroom. (laughs) Dude, he's there. And so the king of Aram says, dude, go find him. We're going to take care of this guy. And bam, so reports comes back. He's in Dothan, not Alabama. So in verse 14, he sends horses and chariots and a strong force. And they went by night and surrounded the city. So in the morning, say Elijah's there. He's at the Holiday Inn. And hey, he sends his servant down to the breakfast bar. And, and so he's getting some food. And the servant, the servant sees out the window, he sees all the army surrounding the city. Okay, scholars tell us Dothan wasn't huge. Okay, but it was huge enough to have an army big enough to surround the entire city. They're not getting away. That's impressive. So when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army of horses and chariots surrounded the city. He said, oh, my Lord, what are we going to do? And Elijah's like, let me finish my bagel. Yeah, he's like, come on, relax. Don't be afraid. Look at verse 16. Don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are against us. 
And the servant is just scared to death. And listen to this. So Elijah prayed, oh, Lord, open the eyes so he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire. Dude, there's a whole nother. That's normal. That's in their scriptures. This isn't like, come on, this isn't Beauty and the Beast. This isn't some Disney thing. This isn't make-believe. What I'm typically finding, again, probably not you guys, but what I'm typically finding in our church today, we live ignorant of that. Oh, my neighbor, he's this. Or, oh, that, that politician. Or, oh, come on, that's... The first thing we look to is physical. When our real... For we don't struggle. You literally, even, I believe, even when you think you're fighting against physical, you're fighting against spiritual. Why would you believe that? I, I can read. For our struggle, hand-to-hand combat is not against flesh and blood. But it's against the rulers, spiritual authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You have an adversary that you can't see. He's prowls around like a roaring lion. In fact, so much so, this is so interesting. I've talked to people all the time and I, I try to convince them that you can hear the Holy Spirit. We don't talk, oh yeah, I know it's the word. Not yeah, it is the word, but you're, you can never find in the scriptures where you're to be doctrinally led, ever, ever. You're spirit led. The scriptures are the authority on what a child of God looks like. Well, what's a child of God? A spirit source, spirit led person. I'm led by his spirit. Those who are spirits, uh, sons of God are led by the spirit of God. Super easy. You can hear the Holy Spirit. You can hear him. He can speak to you. My sheep know my voice. How many in this room, be honest, by a raise of hand, have ever, without a doubt, known that you've been tempted by the enemy? Raise your hand. If you can hear the devil, you can hear the Holy Spirit. If you can hear the demonic, you can hear the Holy Spirit. Well, I wonder why I don't hear him. Well, that's a question you probably should ask. How attentive are you? I love it. Doug, we, he and I don't, we don't get together and talk about what he's going to sing about. But the prayer time said praying without ceasing. You don't ever, praying is not something that, oh yeah, I do it before meals. <laughs> it's this constant awareness where he'll speak and you'll hear. And you, he's the still small voice, which means you need to train yourself to listen. And honestly, that's why I've been, I, that's, that's the, been the problem with me, gluttony. I've had a problem in my life that the Lord's been revealing to me. I'm, it's not necessarily, I've been evil, but he says, Jeremiah, you don't know how to tell your body No. You don't know how to tell your body no. See, there are people that don't know how to tell their stomach no. They don't know how to tell their emotions no. They don't know how to tell their sex drive no. Yeah, that's, that's the day in which we live. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers. Go, go back and read Paul talking to Timothy. In the last days, there's going to be a bunch of people. They're not led by the spirit. They're led by the flesh. Well, I'm sorry. I just lost my temper. That's, you should probably deal with that. Because, look, and it's interesting. I hear a lot of talk. People worship. Man, I just want to be passionate. No, you don't. Trust me. Nowhere in the scripture are you to be led by passion. You're to be led by the spirit. You know how many, how many people we hurt by leading, by speaking out of passion? 
You're never to be passionate. I want to be driven. No, you don't. You want to be led by the Spirit. Come on, this is fundamental aspects of being a children of God. We live devoid not hearing the Holy Spirit. And when the Spirit moves, oh, that's Pentecostal or that's charismatic. Maybe to you. Maybe we're supposed to be attuned to the movement of the Holy Spirit and what he wants to do. Because a person who can't hear the Spirit, who can only hear the Scriptures, is called a Pharisee. That's the definition of a Pharisee. It's called legalism. And I'm bound to a book. And I'm all about it, dude. The, the Bible, I, I'm, I'm known throughout the denomination as a word guy. Come on, that's why you have me in your churches. I'm a word guy. I'm a big word guy. But the scriptures describe, they have the final authority, the final say, the absolute word, the end word of God on what a child of God looks like. And what does a child of God look like? A spirit-sourced individual. I hear my father speak, Jesus said. And I tell you what he says. That's what a child of God is. So you can hear the Holy Spirit. You can't. You you don't wrestle against flesh and blood. That's why we're supposed to take everything thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Why? Because it may not be the Holy Spirit. There's times when thoughts go through my head and I'm like, is that of the enemy or is that of me? Maybe it doesn't matter. I just know it's not his thought. And how do I know it's not his thought? Then uh, literally, he would not say that. See, any thought that comes in your mind that doesn't come back to the authority of the word is not him. That's the authority of the scriptures. Seriously, this is, let me, just, let me say this really quick again. Anything that comes to you that's not in the word is not of him. Okay? But the scriptures are not to lead you. He is to lead you. So you're to be led by the spirit of God and hear him speak. And I hear, I do, I hear pastors talk. Right now, you have four or five pastors. Not that I would know that. That are praying about coming here. Are they doing Bible studies? Are they looking for Spencer in the Bible? Well, no. They're saying, man, speak to me. What's your will? Guide me. In fact, you're going to have a person that's going to come here and say, God spoke to me and he led me. and This is my call. And he's going to go to wherever church he's at. and He's going to say, I have to leave. Why? Because God's calling me there. How do you know? He heard. That's the common everyday right of every child of God. You can hear him. You can hear him on the water. I heard him this morning. He sent this 50 pound fish right down by my line. Larry and I just loved it. See, he's, he speaks in that. He speaks in the everyday. He's not formal. <laughs> Dude, it's so good. He's so good. He breaks into your day and just says, oh, I want to pray without ceasing. Never stop. Just walk in intimacy with him. So that realm, you can hear, if you can hear, the, if you can hear the demonic and you can be attacked by the demonic, you can hear the Holy Spirit and you should give yourself to learning, giving, give yourself to hearing your prayer should consist, consist more of him talking than you talking. Seriously, it should. Most of our prayers are, Oh Jesus, I love you. You're so good. I need this, 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 and this preferably by Wednesday. Well, that's not prayer. Prayer is praise and worship. And what do you have to say? You already know everything. You know my situation. Where are you leading? What do you want to do in my life? Where are you taking me? And you learn to listen. And you petition and you ask and you cry out, but you listen. It's a two-way conversation. It's prayer. 
Now, my question was, in the tra- are we good so far? In the transition from an old covenant time to a new covenant time, something changed. And we become, I mean, tremendously involved. In Luke chapter 4, and I think this is so significant. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus is led out into the wilderness. And he's literally confronted with the spirit Lucifer, our enemy. And, and man, it's, it's interesting. It's almost like there's a conversation. It's really interesting. I mean, he's hearing and the enemy's coming and tempting and he's responding with the word and all of this and points him back to the scriptures every time. And so the enemy finally comes and uses scripture against him. All these different things. But he says in verse six of chapter four in, dis- in tempting Jesus. Well, actually it's verse five. The devil leads Jesus up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said, I will give you all of their authority and splendor for it has been given to me. And I can give it to whoever I want to. And I remember thinking, what bonehead gave him all that authority? We did. Did you know that when you sin, you give, you give the enemy authority in your life? You say, I don't want to see the way you do, Father. Satan, come in and let me see the men and women of my day the way you do. Let me see money the way you do. Let me see my, my body the way you do. Let me see food the way, that's what the enemy, saying you're literally, you give him authority in your life. You give him a voice. You believe him. And he perverts. And Jesus went through his whole life, never sinning, never turning from the intimacy that he had with the Father. I hear his voice. There's, let, me, let me give you just really one quick one that comes to my mind. Jesus is talking, um, I believe, I believe it's in chapter 10. And I'm, I'm throwing this in at the last minute, so I may not be able to find it. You're going to have to forgive me. But I think it's at the end of chapter, chapter 10. It might be at the end of chapter, because uh, he gets in this final big time bad argument. Um, yeah, I'll have to find it. But it's, it's this powerful passage where he's talking with the leaders of Israel. And he says, he's saying stuff like, you've never heard his voice. And he goes, but I hear him. And I say exactly what I hear from my father. And he not only tells me what to say, but how to say it. Wouldn't it be beautiful to have such intimacy with Jesus that he's guiding me in my conversations? Every preacher will tell you there'll be times where you'll be preaching. Bill can tell you this. There's, there's times when you'll be preaching and thoughts will pop into your head. And, and Bill will say it. And everybody's like, that had to come from Jesus. Bill's not that smart. (laughs) Yeah, it had, dude. I mean, we've all had that, man. Revelation. People said, they're like, wow. I didn't know Bill. He's not. Trust me. That came. Yeah, what we're hearing, man. In fact, Jesus told the disciples, don't worry about what you say. Words. Words will be given to you, man. Okay, so if I could convince you really quickly that uh, we're living in a new covenant hour, we can hear. My, my, my question was, as I begin to go through, really work with the Lord through all this, is how did we get involved in all this? What did Adam and Eve do? Why did the enemy come picking on us? Okay, there's this whole big old deal and what in the world's going on? 
Well, I went back to, I went back to the beginning, okay, in the beginning, okay, this is back during the pandemic actually, and I'm, I'm walking through all of this and Paul's language and the spiritual warfare because we have this pandemic and all this stuff's happening in our world and people are calling me and is the Antichrist going to show up and what's going on? Is this the line? I'm like, leave, I just took my phone off the hook, can't do that really, but I just, hey, I went after and, and man, I'm, I'm studying. So I go back in Genesis, I begin to read, and the first thing was I go back to the beginning and I begin to realize there's all kinds of things that were around before the beginning. Well, God was around before the beginning. He wasn't created then. There are these cherub that appeared in chapter 3 that guarded the entrance. They weren't described. Lucifer was there, and it wasn't just an angel was there. But a fallen angel was there. And it dawned on me the whole war between God, the angels, and the devil happened before we ever came on the scene. Lucifer appears in the garden before we were ever there, dude. He's tempting. So there's this whole, just let it marinate, there's this whole nother deal. And I'm like, why, why did, and so I begin to scour all the places in scripture and it's a little sketchy, be quite, just meant to be open and forthcoming with you. There's two passages in scripture um, that talk about uh, the downfall of our enemy. And I've went and studied in the best of my ability. I'm not, just, I'm not really great with Hebrew, but leaning on others who are and then looking at the context and, and gilding through the language as best I can. Um, Ezekiel chapter 28 says this uh, and there's it's a whole there's a there's two sections to chapter 28 one's talking about a man and the other is about uh lucifer it's obviously a spirit being because they change it, it literally changes the whole subject matter of the chapter there's a different emphasis that takes place and listen to what he says about this guy this is obviously not talking about a man but the principality or the ruler that is manipulating the man just like was going on in daniel and in joshua he says, beginning at the end of verse 12, you were the model of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorns you. Ruby, topaz, emerald, chrysolite, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and beryl. Your settings and mountings were made of gold. On the day you were created, they were prepared for you. You were anointed as a guardian cherub. You're like, I thought he was an angel. I guess he's a cherub. For so I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. He's mentioned again, and this is a little bit more profound, and this is where I really want you to focus, but it's in Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. How you have fallen from heaven. O morning star, son of the dawn, you've been cast down to the earth to lay low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly, on the uttermost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Do you know why Satan fell? He wanted to be like God. And it stuck out in my mind. And I said, hold on. Why is he after us? This whole deal wants to be like God. 
If you go back and look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, you and I were created in his image and that Hebrew word is the exact same Hebrew word here. Do you know why Satan attacks us? He's jealous of who you and I are. Seriously, you walk in what he can't walk in. He was not created to be like God. He was not created in the image and likeness of God. We are. What you carry, he wants. That's phenomenal. And he can only get it by deception. You do not struggle against flesh and blood. But against rulers, against authorities, against powers of dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. You struggle against an enemy who is so jealous of you and wants to pervert what you have. Literally. You are literally being contended against by a foe that is spiritual. That wants what you carry. You have authority. You have a stand, You have a position. Paul says right now we are seated in Christ in the heavenly realms. We're seated. There's five places. All right. That's the introduction. Are you ready? It really is. That's the introduction, but it won't take long. I want, and again, you can spend, I spent a year in this. I don't know if I still don't have my hands around all of it, but I know this. I know that before, I know that before we came along, no one ever called God father. We're sons and daughters. We can call him not just father. We can call him Abba, which is dad. We can walk boldly in the throne room where he can't come. In the heavenly realms, ministering angels are, 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 are heavenly spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. Hallelujah. Thank you. Do you know who you are? Seriously, do you know who you are? Do you know that when you, when you pray, the enemy takes it as a declaration of war on his kingdom? That the power and authority of what you carry... That the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. That when you open your mouth, my word. That when you show love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self, you know, all nine of them. When you, when you literally, you are literally extending not an emotion. You are extending a tangible spirit of the living God that wraps around any situation. And you're not emotional, you're spiritual. You have emotions, but you're not led by emotions. You're led by the Spirit of God. I have anger, but I'm not going to be sourced by anger. See, Jesus says, you've heard it said, don't kill. But I say, don't hate. Don't let sun go down on your anger. So I'm not going to be led by, by anger. I'm not going to be led by emotions. They aren't bad, but they're just not him. I'm not going to be passionate. I'm not going to be driven. Come on, man. I'm not. I'm going to be led by this because I'm unreliable. My emotions are unreliable. I am a child of the Most High God. I can call him Abba. I can walk boldly into the throne. There's this picture that I always marveled at and, and for as long as I can remember. It's back when... Um, um, oh, uh, John F. Kennedy was president. And it shows his desk... And little John F. Kennedy Jr. is underneath the desk. And John F. Kennedy's signing this document. You got every day world business going on. 
And his son's just down there playing. I do. I, wouldn't that be neat if that was us? The fate of the universe. And I walk in. He's like, hold on. Yes, son. Just chilling. What are you doing? People, angels are probably like, would you get him out of here? Hold on. That's my boy. That's who we are. <laughs> Dude, it's unreal who you are. In the midst of this, give you some bonus material. In the midst of this study, I was like, literally, I was at a teen camp uh, at the end of last summer. And this kid told me, he goes, man, it sounds like we're almost superheroes. And I said, it's funny you said that because I was researching, I'm doing this stupid research. I, I research everything. And I ended up, I don't remember why, but I was searching Marvel, the beginning of Marvel. And did you know when Marvel first came out, Jesus was a superhero in the Marvel comics? I traced the comic down and bought the first one. Paid way too much money for it. But it's on my wall in heaven where, uh, in my office. And where Jesus is in the marble, he's a superhero. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? Literally, it's a title. He's coming in to save the world. And he's on a donkey. You're like, are you telling me that we're superheroes? I don't know, dude. I think the fate of the entire world is on our, I think the fate of Spencer is on your shoulders. If you can fit him in your schedule. I mean, we're busy, you know, we're busy with, you know, and we got all, you know, and the, you know, and I, I get it. But see, what if we saw ourselves as that? As that, and just not prideful, but saw ourselves as that. Five things that Paul goes through. I want to give these to you quickly and then I'll let you go. 49 minutes, so it hasn't been that long as you think, all right? But let me get through these five things really quickly. We looked at one of them last night, Revel uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Hold on. Well, first off, the word every there, and I, I, didn't, I forgot about going over this last night, but the word every there, it's not all spiritual blessings. It's every spiritual blessing. And there's different kinds of adjectives. My wife uses different kinds of adjectives. She uses all and every. And it's the same way in this passage. See, my wife will come in and say, and see my kids' rooms, and she'll say, I want all this cleaned up before dinner. Okay, mom. She leaves. Then she comes back right about dinner, and nothing's cleaned up. I'm sure your kids never do anything like that. And the adjective changes. It's not I want all this cleaned up. I want every single. God has blessed us with every single blessing. Everything. What's everything? Well, in the original language, the word every means every. But you know what? It's not, it's not in the physical. See, I thought I'd get saved and I'd become smarter. Nope. I just lean on the knowledge that's above me. See, I, you literally are equipped there, not here. Which means you've got to rely on. That's verse 3. That's the first thing. Sons of God are equipped in the heavenly realm. You are literally spiritual authorities in your world by which you can take authority. That's the first time he mentions heavenly realms. You go down to verses six, uh, excuse me, 18, 19, and 20. He says again, now that's again about being a child of God. The second one is, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you. What is he saying? I, I want you to know this. 
I want you to know what he has for you. Because Paul's like, I'm under the impression you don't know. I want you to know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance of the saints. Do the inheritance that we have, woo! And the, his incomparably great power. So you pray for people to be healed? Yes. I'm not sp- special. But it's the incomparably great power for if you just believe. That power, you know what that power is like? It's like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly, in the heavenly realms. Far above every rule, authority, power, dominion, every title that can be given, not only in this present age, but in the age to come. We are sons of a God. And we have authority. What does that authority look like? It's above any authority that there is. There is no reason to fear. People come and say, oh, boy, the enemy's really attacking me. Why are you letting him? Why are you letting him? Seriously, I prayed with a guy uh, when you guys came home. I was walking around praying with all this family stuff. And I was talking to a member of our family. Well, the enemy's just really attacking our marriage. Why? Wimp. Well, don't call me a wimp. Well, you're not acting like a child of God. Which are you? Seriously, man, we talk like that. Do not let him operate illegally in your I tell that to the enemy all the time. You are operating illegally in my, you do not have permission to talk to me. Go in the name of Jesus. He does. He goes. You can't talk. I don't fight him. I don't have to fight him. You're defeated. Yeah, we don't, you never go war against the enemy. Jesus in never in the gospels walked into Jerusalem and started taking on Prince. They're incidental. Isn't that phenomenal? You're a child of God and there's literally the incomparable power and riches of inheritance. You're seated in Christ above everything. He's beneath you. He's a liar. He's been hogtied. He cannot touch you. The third use, this is going to knock your socks off. This one and the next one. Verse 6 of chapter 2. Third reference to the heavenly realms. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. In Christ. What does that mean? Well, the authority and the and what Jesus the, the authority by which Jesus lived, that's why Jesus said, Go, all authority's been given to me in heaven and earth, therefore go. Because where Jesus is seated, you're seated. You have his identity. Number four, this is my favorite. Chapter three, verse ten. Now drink this in. I, I don't I still don't know what to do with this. I don't know what I'm, I'm I need God's gonna have to help me by the time because I, I don't know how to even share it. Verse 10, God's intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God. The manifold wisdom of God means every bit of it. Manifold. The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Jesus. So it's through the church that the heavenly realms are supposed to be revealed to the heavenly realms. And you're like, hold on. So he's telling us that God designed humanity to teach a new thing to the angelic beings. When God created man, it was a new deal. God gets up one day and says, hey, I want kids and I'm creating human beings. And they're like, you'd realize before we came along, nothing was ever physical. Physical was a brand new thing. There was no spiritual. So there's a brand new thing. God created, God created physical. And they're like, why? God says, because I want to reveal a whole other aspect to you that you've never seen. 
See, there's no redemptive plan for the devil and his angels. We know that, but there's a redemptive plan for us. The depths of his love. So I actually believe that the heavenly realms come, as Paul says, and long to look into what you and I have. They peek into our services and are like, wow, but they're weird and they stink. It's who you are. And then the last one is in chapter six. For our real battle is spiritual. I have no idea how to end that. I preached this sermon for the very first time in June at a family camp, about 400 people. And I stood up and I looked at the district superintendent, one of the GSs is there, and I was like, I don't know how to end because I don't know what to do with this. So thanks for listening. And then I just got up and I, 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 seriously, I was like, what do you do with this? But it's who you are. And they all laughed and I said, no, I said, the, the closest I can come is go and pra- go practice, go demonstrate and go walk in the authority that God has created you to walk in. Just get out there and do it. What would that look like? Risk, just risk it. Seriously, I, I'm, I'm, I put God on the spot. I just risk it. Because I believe what he says about me, which again is what righteousness is. God comes to Abraham, who's our father through faith. Abraham existed, walked with God before the law was given, before any don't do this, don't do that. And he comes to Abraham and he says, walk before me and be blameless. Walk before me and be intimate with me. And he tells him, this is what I want to do with your life. This is what I want to do. I want to redeem an entire world. I want to show humanity who they're supposed to be. I want to bring a savior through you. And Abraham was like, wow, sounds good. He believed and it was accredited to him as righteousness. So what does it mean to be righteous? I believe everything you say about me. I believe what you say about me over what I say about myself. I believe what you say about me over my past failures. I believe what you say about me over what my neighbor says, how I feel about myself, the lies of the enemy. I submit everything to God's word. And I'm going to live that way. And I'm going to live beyond what my flesh can produce. I'm going to live a supernatural lifestyle. I'm going to live that way every day. I'm going to spread everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of who you are. Doesn't that make you just want to go, wow, I got to go tell somebody. (laughs) That's what I do. I've had people say, wait, Jeremiah, you seem seem awful confident. You should read the Bible. (laughs) I'm telling you, you'll come out with a whole different perspective. Your shoulders will be back and be like, wow, man, I'm a beloved child of God. It's belonged to him. Isn't that good stuff? You should see your faces, man. Everybody but Larry. Larry's like, yeah, preach it, brother. It's the truth, man. It's the truth. And we can infect our, we literally can affect our town through prayer. Because our battle is not, it's not physical, man, spiritual. People are deceived. They're deceived and they're in fear. I meet very few evil people. I just meet people that are deceived. Hurting people hurt people. Father, we love you tonight. And I thank you for the truth of your word. And Father, we just want to believe everything you say about us. And that's what Doug's been doing. He's been leading us in worship.
Because we just, it's, it's literally, it's just spontaneous praise and worship is evoked when we see what you've done with us. It's just, you're incredible. It's almost hard to believe. You're that good. But Jesus, most of my earthly life has been spent missing the opportunities of greatness. And so I believe, I believe everything you say about me. And I want to live a victorious life. And I want to be used by the most high God to spread everywhere the good news. Liberation, freeing the captives, influencing our world through love. And that's our prayer. Penetrate our hearts tonight with truth. In your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. Anybody have any questions on this?